While I was thinking and praying and preparing this series, I had a dream. And in the dream, I was trying on a shoe. It was soft as a glove, navy blue, sling back. It fitted my right foot perfectly, but I couldn't find the left one, even though I searched and searched. This sent me to the throne room to find out why I only had one shoe. The answer was simple. I only had half of what he wanted me to teach. I had the idea of teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, but I was missing the bit that went before. Having found the other shoe, I began again. This series is essentially about majesty. His majesty. The missing jewel in our theology. It's all about him and his kingdom. This is his season. My dearest ones, know that this season is my season. He's bringing us back to our centre, our focus, our lodestar. That's something on which attention is fixed. Jesus Christ, our risen, glorified and coming King. This is not about us, but about him and his kingdom, which is progressively coming in our lives. God, you know, is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. The following is an extract from the first in my series entitled God, Who Is He? You can find it on the website, psalm131.com, and it encapsulates what I sense God is saying at this time. From the Westminster Catechism, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Such a statement contrasts sharply with the humanistic philosophy of the world in which we live. What is being said is that creation exists for the glory of its creator, that man is the crown jewel of creation and as such possesses a unique capacity to worship, glorify and honour his maker. The lost glory of this fallen world and in some measure the Church of Jesus Christ today is that God is no longer central to our existence, nor is he magnified and adored in the way he deserves to be. A.W. Tozer in his little book The Knowledge of the Holy says this, The Church has surrendered her once lofty concept of God and has substituted for it one so low, so ignoble, as to be utterly unworthy of thinking, worshipping men. This she has done not deliberately, but little by little, and without her knowledge, and her very unawareness only makes her situation more tragic. It is imperative that we think rightly about God. This is not about us, it's about the majesty of heaven, Ours is to stand open-mouthed in astonishment and wonder. When Jesus walked the earth, the first thing we find about him when he was in the temple as a young boy is that they were astonished and amazed and they wondered. Luke two forty-seven to 50 As he's released into ministry on the earth, they marvelled, they were astonished, they were in awe, they wondered. Mark one twenty-seven, two twelve, five twenty, and 5.42 the healing of the human soul, you know, begins by restoring him to his rightful place of amazement, astonishment, awe and wonder. 
At Jesus' last interview on the earth with the Apostle John, we observe John's reaction when he sees this glorified, risen Lord, the one upon whose breast he'd lent. He turns, he looks, he falls. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. Revelation 1, 12 to 17. John sees with his physical eyes the glory of the risen Lord and his reaction is not unusual. It's the norm for those who've seen him. They fall down before the glory. Abraham did when he saw and heard Jesus in Genesis 17.3, fell on his face and God talked with him. Daniel 10.6-9, Daniel sees him. I fell on my face in a deep sleep. Daniel falls down before the glory. He saw and he heard awful things. The dictionary definition of awful is feeling of amazement and respect mixed with fear that is often coupled with a feeling of personal insignificance or powerlessness. The ability to inspire dread or reverence. That'll be it. We're all starved for his glory. The hunger in every human heart is for this, a return of the glory of God to its blazing, all-consuming, fiery place at the very centre of our being. We were created to worship him in his glory. Amen.